0: deserve this to die like this i was building a house deserves got nothing to do with it i'll see you in hell way, money the sock jig sneaker podcast is apparently a template for complex articles Welcome to the Sockjig Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host Sockjig. You can follow me on Twitter at Sockjig and on Instagram as well. Thanks for the feedback on the last episode of uh, part one of the Trophy Room release. I go into part two of the saga. You know, what's the saga? I need a saga. It's uh, Trophy Rooms for No One is the saga. So I continue it today. I continue the Queens of the Stone Age references as well. You know i go through what happened with the release the raffle the sneakers and i go into a bit more detail about what i heard about all the alleged backdooring. Uh, i go into the blue laces and the retail price differences nike's reaction and then i kind of wrap it up with my opinion as well this time so it's again the only topic this week but first i'll do pickups and what's on feet <laughs> On feet this week when uh, it hasn't been snowing has been the Mars Yard Two uh, Yes, I have a pair that I've actually worn, and um, I've shared the story before. But just to recap, I bought these on StockX for around six fifty US, and you know, shortly after the release, that's what they were going for around the time. And I undestocked them right away. It's like, it's it's for me, it's no problem undestocking a shoe that's worth say a thousand bucks or eight hundred bucks. So there's a tweet of mine, even from like 2017, where I even say, you know, buy these, they're going to be $1,000 soon. I, I, I usually bring it up every nine months or so to pat myself on the back. But you know, the way the shoes have gone since then has been just kind of astronomical. It's like, whatever, it's at 5000 7000 now, especially for the smaller sizes. You know, if I had kept them dead stock, I probably wouldn't be wearing them now, because it's like there's just this barrier of, I cannot wear a shoe that's worth $5,000. You know, that's not very uncommon. Um, and even uh, now that I have these shoes, I don't even know how to sell them. You know, I don't want to ship them to goat uh, as a used thing. I don't even deal with Facebook groups. I don't want to list there, have someone ask me to take a million photos and kind of analyze it. So for me, I just wear it. And that's kind of the point of the shoe. You know, the shoe is supposed to be like this art project by this artist. On top of the box, it says, you know, these shoes are only valid if worn and worn to death by you. Posers need not apply. And to me, that was the big draw of this part of this shoe, that that it was basically this art project shoe that shouldn't really exist. And that's the part that gets lost in the hype, that it gets kind of discarded because it's a shoe that's worth $5,000 and it's a shoe for the rich. And, you know, that's the direction it's gone, but... That's not where it started, and so I I feel like I am true to the shoe, even if I don't wear it every single day, like these challenge things that have been going on. Like, I just wear them once every couple months, and that's it, and I put them back on the shelf. But, you know, it is nice to have an expensive shoe that you can sell at any time. But don't message me, I'm not selling. For pickups, I was able to pick up the Court Purple SB from Premiere. You know, I don't have these in hand either, but I'm really looking forward to getting them. You know, I wasn't a big fan of the, the street hawker shoe as a shoe that I would like to actually, like, you know, put on your feet, but you know, the concept and the kind of execution as just a shoe that you can appreciate from far away, that part I did like, but these ones I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting these in hand, you know, any shoe that's inspired by kind of Jordan colorways is, you know, I don't care what people say. Those have always been the, the kind of the gateway to SP for me. I was also able to pick up the Stussy Hurachi, the olive colorway. I tried for both of them in size thirteen because you know hurachis uh, usually fit bit snug, so I just size up. I I tweeted before that you know I've never ha- I've always had problems with Stussy drops. They've never not gone wrong for me. You know either the the checkpoint was enabled late or the the H capture thing was just you know bombarded with uh, requests at the time that was for that AF one drop. But for this, it was pretty standard. I sat in queue for about four or five minutes, which is a long time. And I know a lot of people are basically in that queue forever. So I'm sure there's some sort of bug there. When I got out of the queue, the desert Oak one was sold out. And so usually what happens with these kind of drops is uh, the, the exclusive colorway actually has more stock. Whereas the other one that's going to go out to other stores usually has half, which kind of makes sense if you just assume that the stock on both is the same. And finally, I do have a pair of trophy room ones on the way. Uh, a friend had access to pairs, and he was asking who wanted a pair, and so I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll I'll take one." You know, shout out to Hmac Eater on Twitter. He's he's one of the true OGs on sneaker Twitter. He's one of these guys that's you know seen everything, has probably a ton of stories that he can't tell, and that's why I say he's one of these true OGs on sneaker Twitter and well respected all around, and rightfully so. And, you know, I know the sentiment around this release is a lot of anger now, and, you know, understandably so. But back then, when this this opportunity came up, it was kind of the total opposite. It was a lot of hope and enthusiasm, and assuming that it was going to be a fair and equitable kind of release. You know, you do you remember that glorious time? It's hard to think about it now, but, you know, I don't have these in hand yet, and of course nothing is guaranteed till it's in hand, but you know, I'm looking forward to it, and... To me, it's just going to be a collection piece. You know, I, I don't really have any intention of selling this or, or, you know, a uh, trade bait is the other thing that people will tell themselves that I'm going to just hold on to this as trade bait. I'm not one of those guys that does trades. I have no desire to do any of that kind of stuff. You know, for me, it'll probably just be on the shelf right beside the CPFM Swarovski crystal dunks and, you know, future me can deal with it, but let's get, let's get into the details of the trophy room release. Before I get into it, I'd asked people on Twitter that they could leave a message that they wanted to to record on the podcast, and you can do that if you want at anchor.fm/sockjig. There's a message button and you can leave like a voice recording. So I asked people, "Hey, if you have a rant about the trophy rooms, send it here and I, I might include it on your podcast. So here are some. The views expressed here do not represent sock jig. these are from actual listeners. Take it away. Hey, hey, long-time listener, first-time caller.
1: I guess the preface to my message is that I'm in no way upset or heated or salty that I missed out on the trophy rooms, which is always a reply to somebody who has any criticism over a hype release or, you know, a botched release like this. Um, I just definitely agree with you that Marcus Jordan must be some sort of evil genius to cook up a shoe that tells a story about his father being frozen out from the All-Star game. And then to actively freeze out anybody who wanted to buy these, if they didn't have any connections, or they didn't have enough money to buy in bulk, or if your geographical proximity was not close enough to Trophy Room. um, Just, what a guy. Uh, It's like a tweet from SB Mitch said, who knew that a notorious egomaniac in Michael Jordan would have a son that's also a notorious egomaniac. That's it. On to the next one. The game is the game. I just want to say uh Marcus Jordan you're an absolute fraud, you know. All you talk about is your dad this, your dad that. You never do you never talk about anything what you did cuz you're an absolute fraud. Um Yeah, you're just uh, you're just making money off of everything your dad did. And, like keep staying on his beef, bro. Yes, could you please explain how um I'm supposed to cop shoe with um out any power or water? That would be cool. Yo, what's up, Shock jig? Uh, my name's Key Chef Boyard Key on Twitter. Um, so I knew I had no chance of getting these ones off rip. But my group had sent out the link for the raffle that you had to email, and as literally as soon as I clicked on the link, the page was dead. So I knew my chance was a wrap. But as I closed my laptop screen and walked away in defeat, I instantly thought about what you would have said for Mr. Brightside, and I had added you and asked you if you could make one, which you already did. And you redirected me to it. And I got a laugh out of it. So, what was my inevitable L? It was still an L. But I got a bright side out of it.
0: Thanks. Long time listener. First time whatever the fuck this is. Uh, I miss out a lot of sneakers. Because I am completely washed. And that means I go on Goder Stockx And just kind of buy them after the release. Figure out what the best time is. Uh, here, I didn't even have a chance to buy the sneaker. Like, that raffle was total bullshit. I have no desire to go buy a sneaker i didn't even have a chance on uh you know it's bad when you did a worse job than dior releasing sneakers like more diors handed ended up in the hands of real people who wanted them or could at least make a massive bag off them than these and that's pretty shitty so overall i think it's an amazing shoe i would love to have it but i'm never gonna invest the money in it because i never had a chance to even get it so uh way to fuck it up marcus
1: yeah so with the trophy room ones i mean it was my daughter's wedding that day and uh i thought i had a good chance i mean marcus was hyping it up said it was for the family and everything and i've been rocking with the trophy room for a long time i mean i've always supported by entering the raffles on hyped releases and everything so you know i thought i had a pretty good chance uh so i had a, a my daughter postponed her wedding for like two or three hours just to make sure i had time to enter the raffle but the entire email server crashed and everything uh I just couldn't get my entry, and it was pretty disappointed. I mean, Marcus kind of let me down, but I know he's in it for the family, and he's, he's all about fairness, so I'm just uh, feel happy for the winners, for the lucky winners who were able to get their pairs, and I'm uh, just thanking Marcus for a pretty good release. I think it was pretty fair. I think he should uh, do it like that in the future.
0: So for the release, it was finally announced by Marcus that, you know, it's going to be a raffle on February 10th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You know, and if you heard the last podcast when I talked about uh, you know all the alleged backdooring raffle makes the most sense because it can totally cover up how much stock you actually release if you do an online release usually either the monitors can itself can pick up how much stock was loaded or you can tell the difference from order numbers itself so you know some of these groups have thousands of members some they can just say hey post how many which what your order number starts with like 2 26 xx and someone will say hey mine is 2 29xx. So then you realize that, okay, there's probably around 3000 pairs that went out. But when you do a raffle, it's kind of way harder to do that because the winners are basically distributed all over the places that are concentrated into one kind of online release where there are multiple people that hit in one group. So when the raffle came, it was actually built on some external tool that didn't work, the servers probably crashed due to too much traffic. After a few minutes, it was changed to an email raffle, which is how they've done raffles in the past. So it was like, you know, send your details to raffle at TrophyRoomStore.com or whatever it was. Those emails quickly started bouncing because that's just how emails work. You know, they're uh, allocated a certain amount of storage space. And if you go over the storage space, everything else starts bouncing. And I had even kind of forecasted this in a DM with a friend that it's just going to get box full errors. And that's exactly what happened. So as a response to you know basically everyone saying that they couldn't even enter, you know later it said due to demand the raffle reopened at twelve forty five. But really the same thing happened again. It was just an email raffle. And what's interesting here was um, they did not seem to use the same kind of raffle scripts that have been going around that you see at places like uh, you know undefeated has their version of it and livestock and even premiere when they do raffles have like that specific h form raffle. So. So whatever known raffle things that are out there, they chose to not do those and do something else completely different. And of course it blew up in their face, but you know, maybe it was designed to blow up in their face the whole time. You know, when you think back on it now, does it really matter that they got the raffle, you know, errors and stuff like that, that they really tried to get your entries in because did they really try or was it all a big sham from the first place? Around the same I think the same day, sneakers did a release as well too, and it was all early access. There were screenshots going around of uh, the stock is rumored from, you know, two thirty four to five hundred or so and and no one exact has exact stock numbers for size specific stuff for sneakers that I've seen before, so but by judging by the number of winners, I think I saw a hand like maybe three. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly how many went out. Say say five hundred. So after the raffle uh, concluded, it said that winners would be announced at 5.23 p.m., which is the time on the ticket kind of thing. And, and guess what? Uh, no one won. Usually you will see a handful of winners here and there. Hey, I won. Remember when Travis Scott had raffles? There's winners then. You saw them distributed all over the place. This time, nary a peep. Nothing. There's far more winners for Dior which seemed like a totally fair raffle. And they had, I think, similar stock numbers. I think both Dior high and low will probably have like 10, 12, or 15,000. And of course, you know, later, some guy from Orlando shows that he won. And it turns out, you know, he follows Marcus and he's posed with him. And he's probably, you know, his friend. Ben Baller won too and flexed uh, order number three. Really, it was probably like 30,000 something. And he just whited out the other numbers. But really, who cares about him? Okay. I'll go into a few more details about what I heard about this release. And just like last time, the disclaimer is that this is all allegedly, this is all second or third hand information, not firsthand. I did not have a direct backdoor or anything like that. And a lot of the stuff I didn't mention last time because it wasn't completely out there. People were still making moves and trying to secure pairs, sell pairs. I'm not trying to ruin anything for them. But if you listen closely, I was basically inferring everything, and I was generally right in that podcast, everything that I said. The only part I got wrong, I think, is that the stores actually closed in Orlando. So in that last podcast, I said, you know, what if they split? You know, in that podcast, I said, what if they have 6,000 for the actual release, and 3,000 are in-store, and 3,000 are online? So that that's the part I got wrong, that they're, the stores currently closed, so you know, theoretically, all those pairs that were should have been available should have been available for the online raffle drop. So what I heard beforehand was basically 75% of the stock had been backdoored, allegedly. So 75% is 9,000 pairs. So I heard that the backdoor price, you know, the first level backdoor price was $1,000. And that you had to buy lots, like hundreds and hundreds. So it's possible that, trophy room only really dealt with a dozen buyers or even less, you know, which makes a lot of sense because why would you want to deal with 90 different buyers who only want hundred pairs each or, you know, even less hundreds of buyers that want 25 pairs. It just doesn't make sense. It's just too many people involved. It's better to deal with a dozen or so. And I've seen photos where their shipments have come in and those have been shipped in the same bulk boxes that Nike ships, you know, straight from Memphis. It's got the security tape on it. I have posted an example of one on my Twitter when I've ordered, you know, a dozen pairs of something from Nike.ca. And so all the people that you saw flexing, those people are probably a couple levels removed from that first level of backdoor. The people who have the most pairs aren't posing in any photos. They're the, probably the ones that sold to the second level for say, you know, 1500 or 1600 or 1800, you know, back then that's what the price was. It all depends on kind of when they bought it and when they paid. So, you know, if that first level bought at thousand dollars and they sold it at fifteen hundred, they forecasted that shoe to be a two thousand dollar shoe. But the market is so unpredictable. No one really thought that this would be a four thousand dollar shoe selling a two thousand dollar shoe in bulk for fifteen hundred makes a lot of sense. If they knew the market would be three K I'm sure that backdoor price would have been two K and the bulk price would have been like 2.5 K or something like that. You know, and it's no shock that a lot of these back, these sellers, especially on Instagram, a lot of big names on there. I saw stories where they were selling for 1800, all pairs available for 2000, all the way up to, you know, 2.5, then gone up to three K. Uh, and now it's just like DM for price. And then, you know, then on Facebook, someone is calling out that seller because they didn't ship. It's a lot of money. So if you promise to sell a shoe for 1800 and now the going price is 3500 guess what? There was an error in the shipment. I got the wrong size. Maybe I don't have your size now. Hey, I flaked. What can I tell you, buddy? Take it up with Consumer Affairs. So that's what I had heard originally, that 75% had been backdoor. So what happened with the rest? We basically saw zero raffle winners. If nine thousand were backdoored, and say five hundred were for sneakers, that means twenty five hundred are left. Say it's possible that someone holds back a thousand pairs. For example, Union had their big, you know, two big hype drives. If I was, you know, Chris Union, I would hold back hundreds of pairs. So in that case, in this example, then. 9,000 backdoored, 500 for sneakers, 1,000 held back. There's 1,500 pairs for raffles, but there's actually zero raffle winners. So it's possible that everything was backdoored. And I think that's what people have come to realize afterwards. The, the hilarious part is there wasn't even in, any raffle winners for the clothing. And then what about the blue laces? I actually heard that even the blue laces are available backdoor. The price might be in the hundreds, like four or five hundred or higher. Less if you're closer. Same thing, those are limited to what I heard was low thousands, and people want them because one, it authenticates your shoe as coming directly from Trophy Room, and two, GOAT has a separate friends and family listing for these shoes with the blue laces that sells for seven thousand dollars. So if you can buy five hundred dollar laces for your $3,000 shoes, you now have a $7,000 item, you know? So we're at the point where, you know, t-shirts, uh, uh, shorts and laces have been backdoored. It's like basically the, everything was fleeced out and out the door. Allegedly I had mentioned the order number part before. And uh, one idea that I had on Twitter was, and I wouldn't even do this. It was just an idea of what's technically possible was that if you bought something before the raffle. You know, there's a pair of socks or something on this site for $10. And then you noted your order number. And then after the raffle was kind of over, you bought something again, you could notice a difference in the order numbers. And then you would see how many invoices went out, you know, in, in ballpark area, you know, this is getting into real sneaker CSI kind of territory. And I really didn't care that much. I was just thinking about what was technically feasible here. You know, but back to the release, especially with the blue rate laces and stuff, the the perception that there's a lot of fakes out there, you know, there's that Spider-Man meme where the three Spider-Man are pointing at each other and they're all wearing the trophy rooms. And the caption says like, you know, when you're all wearing the same numbered pairs, you know, I think this, that meme was really was therapy for a lot of people because it gave them the validation, that sense that yes, all those pairs out there are fake and therefore, I feel better about myself because I'm not an idiot wearing fakes like those guys are. You know, Nice Kicks reposted this. Uh, I think it was, you know, it was Ken from Resell Memes who had originally posted someone else's. And every IG commenter on Nice Kicks was just laughing it up. Like, haha, these guys don't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. have fun with your fakes. Or the other thing was the blue laces. You know, what about the blue laces, though? I've seen photos on Instagram of even the people who did win on sneakers, exclusive access, even they didn't have blue laces. Bun B was seated by Jordan brand. He didn't have blue laces. Like I said, in the last podcast, I was pretty much right. That blue laces were a really clever smoke screen. It, you know, sowed enough doubt out there that the backdoor pairs are not legitimate and so you can feel better about yourself. You know, that was before the release when you thought you still had a chance. The other thing was there was two different prices, one said 170 and one said 190. And even this, that's not a foolproof. That's not, you know, a smoking gun that these are fakes either because the Travis one highs had the same thing. And I think with the two different prices, they had two different production dates. So they either got it wrong and then they had fixed it in the next production is most likely what happened. Nike has price mistakes all the time. These cream off-white Jordan hoodies that released a while back. Some places dropped him for 150 and then other places had it for 350 So that was just a price mistake. And that kind of nakedly displayed, you know, the $200 markup that Nike puts on off-white stuff. You know, so understandably, the reaction to all this was a lot of anger. And High Snobiety actually reached out to Nike or Georgia Brad and asked for a statement about all this alleged backdooring. You know, their statement was comedy. Well, it was kind of noteworthy they even made a statement, but... When you read the statement, it doesn't even say anything. It said, we remain committed to serving our consumers with authentic Jordan products through nike.com and our strong distribution network and channels in both online and at brick and mortar retail, you know, thank you lawyer who uh, copy pasted that from the, you know, their word doc that they already had. The other reaction you saw a lot was why is Marcus doing this? He doesn't even need the money. He's totally rich already. Which is, you know, pretty funny if you actually stop to think about it. It turns out rich people really like money, you know, $10 million is a lot of money, even if you're rich and all this, you know, this alleged backdooring going on. What can Nike, I mentioned this last time too. What can Nike really say? Who on their executive board can say anything to Michael Jordan, maybe Phil Knight, maybe Mark Parker. You know, the president of Jordan brand is a guy named Craig Williams. Maybe he could say something. Why Why would they? What is their incentive to say anything to Michael Jordan? That this is a bad look. It's a meme now, but Michael Jordan would essentially say fuck them kids. You know, but I'm sure Nike took note on how this went. Maybe future exclusive releases are handled you know, differently, especially with Jordan 1s. Maybe with Trophy Room, but I'm not confident on that either. The damage has already been done here. What's interesting is there's literally no consequences and not that much damage to your rep either. And, you know, when it comes to damage to your rep, does Marcus care? You know, most of us don't, you know, say scam because it's not right. And two, it would, you know, damage your rep. You know, back into the sneaker deals, sneaker Twitter world. When it comes to scams, your rep is worth more than profit on any one shoe. But the scammers that do do this don't care. They take that kind of Faustian bargain of money over their rep. I'm not saying what uh, Marcus did is a scam, but it's definitely got the same kind of heat signature. But there's no real damage to his rep because he doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't, he, there's no consequences, but he doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't have to defend his rep because the nice kicks commenter is out there saying, what about the blue laces though? This is why I call this kind of release genius. It was a perfect storm in terms of here was someone who had a, basically a Chicago one in super limited numbers. He's sowed the seed of doubt with this blue lace story cover smoke screen thing. And there's literally no consequences. And I said that, you know, this can definitely people are watching and this can definitely change the way hyper strikes are done in the future. You know, maybe not Nike Jordan. They're not going to change anything that's going to work. That's still working for them. And, you know, Nike and Jordan does have to keep consumers in mind. You know, they still need to release those, you know, the Jordan 11s, the Fire Red 4 type of releases every, you know, quarterly or so. But I'm almost positive that others are looking on with a lot of interest because what we saw here was a hype shoe selling at its true market price because there was no retail release. Others have been doing this a little bit here and there. New Balance had a StockX IPO with, with a a denim tears guy, a no vacancy in. And that was, you know, a random New Balance 550. But New Balance could totally do this with, say, a 992, because all 992s that release in the collab ones have maybe 500, 600, 1000, very limited. You know, there's examples of Ticketmaster in the past kind of selling their item, their tickets at resale price. I'm not a card guy, but I've heard of Panini doing the same thing, doing... Dutch auctions for some of their boxes and think of it in the sports world too. think of what is LeBron James true value as a free agent. If there was no salary cap, how much would teams be willing to pay for him? Because think of, you know, prime LeBron James here, they would be paying a lot. Or same thing in football. Whereas a quarterback has so much more value on a team than any other player other than say left tackle or whatever. That kind of follows along with my opinion here. I can't be out here and say the game is the game and then get mad at the game. But I totally understand the anchor. The part that's been pretty funny has been when resellers get bad. So, you know, I know a lot of resellers had access to buy these pairs. And if you didn't have access, then that is kind of something that you can work on. That's worth being mad about. But You can't put on the reseller, the sneakerhead hat, and take off the reseller hat and then be angry as a sneakerhead. You kind of have to leave that reseller hat on if that's the mode you're in. And I've always said the stock amount is part of the design of the shoe. You know, when Off-Whites have 30K of a Jordan 4, that's part of the design. They did not want to have 120K. And here is the same thing. The, The design of this shoe was to... Say you have 12,000, but really the, the public stock was zero. One of the things that, you know, a sneakerhead will always ask, you know, tell themselves is I kind of uh, deserve this shoe. I love Chicago ones. I, you know, I don't have Chicago ones. I don't have the Spider-Man or any of the other ones. And the cold open from the beginning of this uh, episode was from the movie Unforgiven with uh, Clint Eastwood. When he shoots the bad guy, the guy says, you know, I don't deserve this. And Clint Eastwood said, deserves got nothing to do with it. So, so many people think that they deserve what they have, what they have not worked for or earned. And here, all any of us really deserved was a fair opportunity. And that was taken away from us. You know, when you enter on sneakers and you get a, didn't get them, it usually sucks and you vent your frustrations. But if you're on sneakers and you couldn't even enter, like for the street hawker and you just get errors. That's the worst. Here we got, you know, the illusion of an opportunity. This, you know, sham raffle thing. My friends, friends told me that they were kind of sick of seeing my tweets about this because I was going on and on about it. But, you know, what that told me is they've kind of moved on from it while others have not. They're not at the acceptance part of the stages of grief yet. And so in any trauma or grief, there's five stages denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And if you think through those stages, we've seen it all here. The denial is, you know, all those early pairs are fake or, you know, what about the blue laces? The anger is obvious, you know, to Marcus and trophy room and Nike and everyone rightfully so the bargaining is I've seen people come back. You know, the price was 1800 to 2200. um, people come back way later and ask if that price is still available or, or, you know, what shoes do I have that I can flip to get these? You know, that's the kind of stuff we all do. And, uh, we ever take an L on anything. You know, depression is just the part where you're just quietly sad about it and how it went. Acceptance is the part where you're just kind of, you're done with the shoe. You get it. you You know what happened. You're, you're fine with it now. You know, overall, I'm happy with my collection. So. Any one shoe that I miss on doesn't really affect me that much. And, you know, dealing with L's has always been part of the game. And how fast you get to this acceptance stage is, uh, you know, should be commonplace by now for most sneakerheads. And that's where I do these Mr. Brightside uh, segments on Twitter. You know, my comment here was that the rollout kind of ruined the shoe. And sneakers for the rich all suck anyways. Which is true. These types of sneakers never cross into the plane of being among the greats. You know, because people just don't wear them. It'll never be shoe of the year. Dior was an example of that. Even even though Dior was released fairly, that's just, a, it's a $12,000 shoe. And it's nice and all, but it's not the best thing. You know, a good counterexample of a good release was the Sean Weatherspoon 97.1s. There were a ton of those released. Regular people were, got them on sneakers or, you know, raffles or whatever. And regular people wore them, and they still go for a lot. That formula is hard to replicate. Off-White doesn't try to do that, really. They try to release way fewer. I think, you know, those Weatherspoons probably might have had like 80K or something. like that. Whereas Off-Whites have half that or even less. Anyways, what I'm getting to is we need to move on to the acceptance part of the the grief process and move on from the shoe. The shoe is gone. We never had a fair chance. If you want it, you can spend 4K or whatever it is at right now. Marcus's legacy is ruined, but, you know, what legacy did he really have anyways? And do the rich care? Probably not. So we can not care as well, too. That's it for the podcast. That concludes the saga. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we don't talk about blue laces again. If you enjoyed it, leave a five-star review for me on iTunes. That kind of stuff helps a lot. Or at least tell a friend. You know, I, I feel like I'm talking about stuff here that not a lot of other podcasts will get into this kind of details or have the kind of inside information that I have that I can share here. So thanks again. I'll see you next time. See ya.